0: So we're working through our way through the infinite way of Joel Goldsmith. This week is on healing. And I want to start off with a, just a little bit of background of new thought. So where did this particular science of mind idea came from? Believe it or not, about 150 years ago, it started precisely in the place of personal healing. Now this was a time when um, literally doctorism, if you will, in the United States was at kind of an all-time low. I mean, I mean to begin with, the kind of distributed nature of, uh, of what American life was like then, you would actually go to a barber for surgery. Right? 150 years ago. 150 years ago. Really no hospitals, I mean I think there was a hospital in like Boston and New York, right? And maybe one in Chicago. 150 years ago, if you needed a minor surgery, if you needed to have a cancer tumor removed, you went to the barber. And with a little bit of whiskey to put you under, and the razor that hopefully he well sterilized from his last shaving client, you were treated. Now, i got to tell you, this was not a very successful thing, (laughs) often. And people uh, viewed medical science at that time, and that being part of it, as a pretty risky proposition. No surprise that tent revivals and and spiritual healings were equally as effective and equally popular at that time. And the actual underpinnings, the actual beginnings of this New Thought movement was based on the healing arts. Literally, people would go to, to people like Phineas... Uh, Quimby and 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 the Dresher family, and they would they would be treated, you know, go for a treatment, and it was prayer, and it was actually pretty darn effective. Actually, it was better; it was more effective than going to the barber. That's for sure. Now, fast forward a little bit, fast forward uh, 150 years, and now we have a better sense of what causes illness. We have a better sense of things we can do, certainly to mitigate some of the symptoms of illness. But I want to suggest that we're not necessarily much better off on the actual causes and dealing with the causes of illness. And I, I did a little research for you. 75%, 75% of all doctor visits are for stress-related illnesses, 75% of the money that we spend on medicine and doctors and even hospitals right now in the United States is for stress-related illnesses. Now, what are the stress-related conditions and illnesses? Migraine and other headaches muscle tension heart attack high blood pressure most strokes many types of cancer now this one There was a little link under it like how how does cancer exactly cause stress? So I clicked on the link and guess what we all have cancer cells in us Cancer just exists in our body. It's like part of its function What happens, though, is through stress, we do not allow our natural body's ability to eradicate those cancer cells. And specifically, the T cells in our body are only replicated when we are at peace and relaxed. Now, if you'll remember, last week we talked a little bit about spiritual practice and specifically what it it would do. We talked about meditation. We talked about contemplation. We talked about prayer. What we didn't happen to mention was this could cure cancer in us. <laughs> Literally, these stress-related illnesses are illnesses of our mind. And, and the list goes on. Insomnia, ulcers, rheumatoid arthritis, and, 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 and all kinds of other depression. Uh, you know, the list was a very long one. All stress-related. So what is stress-related illness? It is our resistance to our own lives. What causes us stress? It is literally our reaction when things are not going the way we want them to. So when the boss is in our face, when we have the painful emotional uh, conflict with someone, when, the, you know, uh, when our daughter announces the, the new boyfriend and introduces him to us, these are the things in our life that, quote, cause stress, And yet, really, what's causing us? Our daughter isn't making our T cell count go down. Our boss isn't the one that's physically making us ill. It is in our own mind. Stress is the creation of our own mind. And although it might be difficult, really, to take in, we have really complete control over stress in our lives now of course we have some control in that we can get out of those situations and that's lovely when that works but so often stress just arises unbidden and unplanned for and you're just in the middle of it we do not have to react to stressful events by taking on stress We can choose to let the boss be about the boss. We can choose to allow the complicated family member to be complicated all on their own. We do not have to wade into it. We do not have to take ownership of it. We do not have to take it on to us. We are actually free... In large degree to choose our emotions, to choose our ability of thinking about what's going on in our lives, and take another choice. Now I know this is difficult. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we can just turn off stress like flipping a light switch. Well, or can we? We're not used to that idea. But I would like to propose that with a little practice, we can turn off stress like flipping a light switch. We can get to the point with some practice, with some letting go mostly, of taking on that burden that are brought to us by other people. You know, it's funny, we, we often find our, our, ourselves blaming other people in other situations for for why, you know, why I have that feeling in my stomach, or, or why I'm having to take, what are some of those new drugs now that are And uh, reducing the acid in our stomachs because we get wound up all of the time. I mean, what we're doing when we take drugs like that, of course, we're we're really masking the symptoms, but we're saying, bring on the stress because I can deal with it better now. But of course we can't. Ultimately, we can't. When we accept that, when we allow it into our lives, it's going to have an effect on us. So how do we deal with this? The answer is simple. In a way, it is flipping the switch. It is no more than just allowing it to wash around and over and underneath us, but not to affect us. It is that ability to, to let the boss rage on, to have you know an ex-wife or, or childcare arrangements or whatever it is in the moment that feels not right, that brings up some resistance in you. It's the ability to just let it be. Just to say, okay, I'm in the middle of this. I need to make a couple, uh, perhaps, motions here. I need to maybe do something. But I'm not going to take on anyone else's stuff. There's a place in me that's peaceful. There's a place in me that knows the truth that I am solid and good and doing the right thing, full of love and full of joy. And if other people want to be complicated... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll just let them. This is your power. The other thing it talks about in the chapter this week is up-leveling this. In, in fact, in the chapter it talks about how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we actually live in the kingdom of heaven from day to day? And, uh, and I do have a video clip today that I'm going to show, and, and, and let me set it up both uh, physically here and metaphorically for you. Um, Dr. Ken Gordon is the new spiritual leader of Centers for Spiritual Living. And I had the honor in February of being at our annual conference. And it was a historic event on a a couple of situations. Not only was he elected, and it was the the first new leadership that we've had uh, in eight years, but more than that, it was the gluing together, if you will. It was the rejoining of two fundamentally separate halves of science of mind. Up until just this last year, there had always been International Centers for Spiritual Living and United Centers for Spiritual Living. And then over the last several years, we'd said, you know, this is kind of bullshit. Why... We we pre I get up here every Sunday and preach unity, right? And and what is this thing about two separate science of minds? This is crazy. So we did the right thing. We put it back together again. And this is our, our, our spiritual leader I'm gonna show. And and what I think so that's the context of this. He had just been elected the previous day, and this is sort of his acceptance speech. But what I love about this speech is that it really talks about up-leveling healing. To the planet, not just to us, and that's the place to start. Of course, is in our individual consciousness. Um, but I think you're going to enjoy this. He really talks about moving forward and lighting up the entire planet. Let's see if I can get this working here.
1: Thank you. Tired of me yet? <laughs> people, people are coming up. People are coming up to me six hours after I was elected and saying, "Do you know?" and then giving a complaint. As I say, well, yeah, I've been on the job for six hours yet. Sorry, I haven't got it accomplished for you yet. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, uh, we know where we're going, but we don't necessarily know how we're gonna get there yet. Have you noticed that? I kind of find myself in a situation where I feel like I'm standing on some real slippery ice. And I'm standing there right out front on this slippery ice and I'm so tempted to be able to step back where I know the sand and the traction is. To just be able to step back a step to where we came from as opposed to forward. But I know that we can't do that. That in order to be able to move forward, we're going to have to move into a new consciousness and a new idea, a greater idea. And that if we go back, all we're going to do is recreate what we had before. And we can't create something new with the consciousness, the old consciousness. We need to enter into the new consciousness. My sense is that there is a momentum that is happening at this conference that is palpable. And that momentum feels like there's been a big switch and a big change that's taken place. And that change feels like it's going somewhere in the direction that I want it to go to and that I know you want it to go to. And my inner sense and my inner feeling is, is that if we don't act quickly with urgency, the momentum will die. So my thought is, is that what we need to do is we need to capitalize on this moment and in everything we do and in every way that we do it, we need to move forward and never move back again. It is a time for transformation. And we know that that transformation is born within each of us and that it comes from this sense, this uh, palpable sense and feeling that we have that something's changed at depth within us. That there's something has occurred. And that if you're anything like me, there's these little niggling doubts that come forward, little judgments and opinions which are really meaningless and have no value and no bearing on what's occurring. It's just that nasty old ego of mine that's coming forward every now and then to tell me that this direction is right, but that I should have an opinion about it. And the truth is, is that now is the time that we let go of all of our opinions and all of our judgments. Now is the time that we cannot afford any more to allow our individual likes and dislikes enter in and block our pathway to the greatest idea in the world, which is the transformation of the world and creating one that works for everyone. The potential that lies before us from this moment forward is a potential that's bigger than exists within any mind. There are people here who think that they know the way to go and sometimes I'm the one that does that as well, but we don't know yet. There is an idea bigger than the idea that you hold right now as to where this world is and what we can do with this teaching by taking it into the world and manifesting and bringing into reality the principles that we espouse and that we bless and that we hold and that we embrace. And we will not get there if we allow the judgment to come forward. We will not get there if we do not allow ourselves to open ourselves to understanding and respecting the likes, the opinions, the joys, the behaviors, and the beliefs of others. As long as we hold within ourselves this concept that there is some separation between us and anything, we are blocked. It is up to us to enter into this consciousness that really opens up so that we can look at it. We see such a diversity in this conference. I I absolutely love it. I see Eugene open with a treatment at the beginning of this conference that just blew my socks off. And it is a treatment I would have never heard in the past in the organization that I came from. And I see Reverend Aaron close this year with a treatment that came from that organization I used to belong to that would blow my socks off. And the truth is, is that they are the same treatment given in a different way, in a different manner. And they are not one that is right and one that is wrong. What it is, is it is one. We cannot afford the luxury of being prejudiced or bigoted. We cannot afford the luxury of denying anyone, no matter what, no matter how, no matter where. We have to embrace everything, every religious tenet. We have to embrace everyone in the world. We have to embrace every political party. We have to embrace every color, every race, everything that we come in contact with. And the judgment that shows up in our lives that says this is not right is the small mind in action. And it is not the action that will change the world. It is the old thought, and we need a new one right now. If you are mad at something, you are mad at yourself. If you in any way judge something, you are judging yourself. There is only one thing that is happening here, and that is the individualization and evolution of consciousness to create a world that we were born to have. A world that is fair and open and free to all. And I don't know how we're gonna get there. And neither do you. But there is a power that exists within this group consciousness that does. There is a power that is building right now as we sit here. That is developing and taking on speed and creating a vision for each and every one of us which will be like the marbles in the jar or the weight of the ox. And when we awaken to that and when we recognize that, the answer will come clear to us and we will move forward not just to the promised land, but we will move forward to the next step that will take us to where we need to be. The consistent and constant evolution of spirit as you growing back into spirit, which is always what you were in the first place. And this is our world and this is our life. I, had the, I have a, a wonderful uh, partner who, when I go through my neuroses, <laughs> which I have gone through many times, who, who makes sure that she points out to me what is happening around me and leaves little notes for me. Maybe you're blessed with the same thing. I'll come downstairs and there'll be a book laying open. She'll say things like, you know, you should just read this, just these five pages, just between here and here. I think if you read that, that, that you'll be a much nicer person. So, on January 4th, leading up to this, I was filled with a lot of uh, doubt. Not doubt about the movement, not doubt about the principles, not doubt about the tenets, doubt about who I am. And I was feeling a little threatened. And so, I came down on January 4th, and there was The Science of Mind 365. One Day 365, a beautiful book and there's a prayer, and Deborah said, you might read that. <laughs> and believe me, I, I don't usually take other people's treatments or prayers, and take them and read them, and do them daily, but when I read this one, I realized that it was the answer for me. It was written by Dr. Ernest Holmes, and it goes like this, and it is the prayer that has guided me for the last two months, and it has changed me at depth, and I would have you listen to it and accept it as your own if you choose. I hand my life and affairs over to divine intelligence, to the power that knows how to do everything. I do this in the complete conviction that I receive only good into my experience. I know that there is nothing in me that can doubt either the Divine goodness or the operation of its law in my affairs. I believe that everything necessary to the fulfillment of every good desire is now in full operation, that all the circumstances in my life are tending to bring it about. If there is anything I ought to do about this, I accept the action and know that I receive guidance and I am impelled to act intelligently. Therefore, I have a complete sense of ease and assurance. I look forward joyfully as I anticipate the good that is to come into my life. I believe that all who are now praying with me will receive the answers to their desires from the same source. My faith goes out to them as their faith reaches back to me. For I believe that out of the great good in the universe that we live in, there will surely come to all, to all of us, an answer to our particular need, Dr. Ernest Holmes. Our particular need is to reach 100 million people and to transform the world. I am sure that we will do it by acting together intelligently and doing what comes before us. I bless you and I love you. Thank you.
0: Wasn't that great? So what is war? I want to uh, pitch a, maybe a new idea at you. I believe that things like war, things like a strife on a national scale, are a stress-related illness. If we really think about it, a stress-related illness is when something comes into our life, we're in resistance to it, we actually start fighting against our own life, and that's what causes the illness in us. If you blow that up into a national and international scale, what are things like war? What are things like... uh, um, genocides or, or places where one conflict in the world is so striking against another, whether it's uh, religions that, that, that seemingly are at war with each other or with conflicting ideologies, whether it's competition for natural resources, all of these things are groups of people being in resistance, having a stress-related moment, if you will. As Dr. Ken Gordon said, the place where we make the change is in our own consciousness. And, and certainly, we recognize that to take care of stress-related illnesses for our own self, the work comes within. We need those uh, T cells fighting for us. We need to find that place of relaxation, that place of the inward journey that allows our body to heal itself. How do we blow that up? How do we increase the scale of that to be international? I don't think it's much different. I think that instead of living our lives in reaction to and in resistance to, we simply need to take that on an international scale. The other thing that I think is important here, uh, and again, I I learned this on one of my very first airline flights when I think I was 12, and and I thought about the the steward who was saying, you know, in the case of sudden cabin pressure uh, problems, Put on your own safety uh, breathing device first in order to help others. And I think the healing has to start here first. I don't think we as an individual or we as a nation can really participate in peace, can really change that consciousness of the world, which can still allow a war to happen. I don't think that that can be changed internationally until we're doing our part of it as well. So, where do we start in transforming the world? Where do we start in the, uh, inspiring 100 a, a million people? How do we create this heaven on earth? It starts right here. And it also starts in our political decisions in the organizations that we choose to support it. It starts in us having a greater awareness of the choices that we have on the environment, the choices we have on other country, where our products come from and where our services come from. The change for the entire universe starts here and here and here and here. And it's not gonna be legislated to us It has to be legislated from us. It's not going to be something that someone will just say, okay, here, I'm I'm here to solve the problem. As Dr. Ken Gordon said, he doesn't have the answers. And he also said, us as individuals, you don't have the answer. But the planet has the answers. It is simply a matter of coming together together of listening to one another, not, not setting up opposition, not setting things up to be winners and losers, not uh, trying to vie or jockey for position for natural resources or things like that. It's coming together as a human family. Let us pray. There is one power. There is one presence. There is that one union that is God itself, that largest container of all life, is God. And what I know about God is that God is ultimately wise, that God has the answers to any questions, whether they be personal or whether they be global. The answers exist. And so on this day, what I know for the people in this room, myself included, is that there is a willingness to go inward. There's a willingness to do our our own spiritual practice in order to heal ourselves and the planet. There's also a willingness to outwardly manifest this healing in our choices, in our political decisions, in the people and parties and ways that we support life itself on this planet through our choices, through how we show up. And so I know that each person here has that willingness to investigate a little bit about the impact they have on the planet, the impact on the world. I know that each person here has a little more willingness to understand their role, not only for their own healing, but for the healing of the planet. And I know that change happens. I'm grateful for this. I let it be. And so it is. is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here today.